Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast, as we learn how to apply God's Word to our lives in motherhood, finding in big and small ways that the truth of the gospel applies not just to our lives as moms, but also to our children's lives, so that as we stand anchored in Him, we mother confidently with our hearts at rest. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. Welcome, y'all, to the kitchen table today. I am so excited about who we're going to be sitting down and talking to. These three women that I'm going to introduce you to are actually friends of mine in real life. I know them through different writing spaces that I've occupied, and I am thrilled to see their book becoming to life. These are my friends. Their names are Carrie Holt, Amy Brown, and Sarah Klein. And they have written a book called The Other Side of Special, Navigating the Messy, Emotional, and Joy-Filled Life of a Special Needs Mom. And before we get started, I just want to say for everybody listening, these women truly are gold. They are going to bring to this um, episode today a wealth of wisdom for a mama who walks in hard spaces, but the truth is they're going to bring a wealth of wisdom for all of us as we walk in places with our kids that we didn't expect, whether it's something that we can all label special needs or whether it's just a hard season. So y'all, I am so glad that you're here. I can't tell you how excited I am for this episode, but but as we get started, I just want y'all to tell me a little bit about your background, tell everybody listening who you are and how you've come to this place in your family. Thank you for having us today. We're we're thrilled to be here too. (laughs) I'm Amy Brown and I am a writer, podcaster. I'm on a podcast with Carrie and Sarah called Take Heart and I'm a mentor and I am married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married 37 years and we are parents to six wonderful, unique, very unique children. <laughs> They're all different. Um, our oldest three are biological and our, our youngest three, we welcomed into our family through adoption and through the adoption process and parenting these children, we came to quickly realize that we had children with different needs than our biological kids. So our adoptive children have special needs like from trauma, from adoption mm-hmm. and some behavioral issues, drug and alcohol exposure at when they were babies, attachment issues. So my journey into special needs mom was, it took a while to figure out that's what was going on. But we um, live in Michigan and our kids range from 30 to 17. So almost an empty nester, but not quite. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hi there, I'm Carrie Hole, and I've been married to my husband for 22 years. We have four kids that range in age from almost 20 to 13. We have three sons and a daughter and My introduction into special needs parenting happened when our third son, our third child and son, he was prenatally diagnosed with a condition called spina bifida and hydrocephalus. And then our journey kind of took us down a road less traveled when he was two and a half weeks old. He went into respiratory failure and ended up spending over two months in the hospital. And throughout the last 16 years, he's 16 he's had 61 surgeries and we've spent a lot of time in the hospital. I've spent a lot of time in that blessed OR waiting room and just life has thrown us a lot of curveballs and didn't 
really didn't turn out the way that we were even expecting, even with just the diagnosis that he had prenatally. So, Hi, I'm Sarah Klein. I have been married to my husband. We were high school sweethearts. We took a little bit of a break there for a while, but mm -hmm. we have been married for a little over 25 years. We have two sons. Our oldest, Connor, is 22. He is in college. He is studying to be a minister, and he's going to go into missions. And our youngest, TJ, is he will be, well, he's 19, and he is a senior in high school, and he has Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And he was diagnosed at the age of eight. So we... He was diagnosed. We, we actually put him in physical therapy because he just wasn't walking upstairs the way that we thought he should walk upstairs. And so it was quite a shock to us for all intents and purposes. He was healthy and um, we got a call out of the blue. Actually, I did. I worked for the doctor's office that referred him to the physical therapist. And so I actually fielded the phone call with the concern. So that was quite the shock. And his is a degenerative and progressive and terminal form of muscular dystrophy, and he, but he is just the strongest and happiest child there is. So that was our kind of thrown into the fire story. Wow. I don't, I don't think I knew that part of it, Sarah, actually, I, you know, as a, as a, I used to be a pediatric physical therapist in my old life and I, I didn't know that part of it, that, that it, that it had, it wasn't until he was eight that he was diagnosed. I worked for um, an orthopedist and our children went to the same daycare and he said, he's just not walking right. And he doesn't walk up the stairs correctly. I like to put him yeah. in physical therapy. So he did. And that was, yeah. that and was that. that. Went, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It yeah. was a shock. Like he just wasn't walking up the stairs correctly. And now all of a sudden he's terminal. Yeah. It was quite the shock. Uh-huh. But yeah. Well, and I think what's interesting about all three of you, all all three of your stories, even in your just little introductions, you 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 allude to the fact that there's that space where like you're processing something that you were mm -hmm. not expecting mm -hmm. minutes before. Yeah. Whether right. yeah. you know, whenever it comes. And and I know in your book you you talk about this, that life, these moments when we are mothering and all of a sudden we learn something new. I mean, it takes us by surprise, no matter what. Right. But how do you learn, like in those moments, how did you process that with the Lord? Like how with God are you beginning to line these ideas up in those moments when it first came? And then even as you're walking forward, I know for all three of us, we've definitely approached it differently. I, what's interesting about my story is we had just got done studying the book of Ephesians, talking about suffering. And I had literally said to my husband, we haven't suffered in a while. Oh, wow. And yes, I did. <laughs> We're being completely honest around this kitchen table. <laughs> and and not that I think God said, okay, here you go. <laughs> but I was recently listening to a sermon on like lament and suffering. And he, the pastor made the comment, you know, the time to prepare for suffering is in the moments when it's not happening. Mm -hmm. And so 
And looking back uh, 16, almost 17 years ago, I can see just the tiny ways that God kind of just, I am one of those people, I have to know all the details of what to expect walking into a situation. Mm -hmm. And it's gotten worse now that I have a son with special needs, just accessibility, like what's this building going to look like? And, you know, how are we actually going to navigate this situation with him? How's he going to be able to participate? And so walking into this journey, I felt like the Lord gave me just a few things. Now, that's not to say that there wasn't just overwhelming amounts of grief. And I think that's one thing that sometimes people don't understand when they don't have a child with an ongoing illness or like the truth is my kid's not going to get better. He On this side of heaven, he's never going to get better. And, and in fact, his body deteriorates, you know, on a yearly basis, even though technically his diagnosis is not terminal. And I think it's important to, one of the things I recognize is just that I'm somewhere living in that grieving cycle all the time. And when I could finally identify that that's what I was feeling and I could name that that's what was happening and will happen throughout his journey. He just turned 16 a few months ago. He's not getting a driver's license. And that's been really, it's been really hard to be honest, but just being able to name that, that we're grieving and we're somewhere living in that, in that journey of all those complicated emotions, I think is really important. Mm. Yeah. I would say that, you know, beginning to understand and be aware that that's what it is probably is, was a very powerful maybe a powerful turning point. Yeah. He was five when I felt like the Lord said, Hey, this is going to be part of your journey. Mm. So you're going to have to come to me with it. And it's not, it's not going to go away. And for all of you, I guess, that's, I mean, I know you address this in your book and and I think it's so powerful that you do, but how, how do you navigate that with God? Because there is, I mean, I, I haven't, none of my children are inside of this category. The only thing that even comes close that I can maybe go, maybe I have a touch is I've had a child who really has struggled with depression and, um, I mean, suicidal thoughts and, and navigating that with God of going, God, take this from her. But how do you walk that out with the Lord, like in your faith walk, in practical ways, like the nuts I, and bolts? <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, and I think like in, in your situation, I and mean, that's, that's heavy. And I think that every single situation that as parents, we walk through with our children, those are, those are serious to each one of us. And those are heavy for a parent to walk through. And I think for me, I didn't handle it well at all whenever I got that diagnosis. And I have called it my quintessential Christian temper tantrum. I put my Bible away. I, I was brought up Christian and I thought, I have been Christian my whole life. I have served you well. I thought, <laughs> I look back on it and it's embarrassing. <laughs> but I thought, you know, it's like, I have been a lukewarm Christian, Christian my whole life. Look what I've almost did for you. <laughs> but, um, 
I, I just was so angry and I was, I was hurt and I felt almost like almost betrayed in a weird way. And I think I, it's, it's, I had to come to this, the realization that God never left me, even as poorly as I treated him. And it was at a moment where he said, it was almost like he never left me, no matter how poorly I treated him, that he had every right to leave me, but he never did. And it was when I actually went to him and finally confessed how I felt, even though he knew how I felt. And I really got real with him and said, okay, this is how I feel. And I, I like to journal. So I actually even wrote it down and I was so ashamed of how I felt. I journaled it and I password protected it on my computer. <laughs> and I thought, if anybody ever finds it, and I, and I thought my whole family is they're not tech savvy. So hopefully they won't ever find anybody who could ever break into it. But I thought I need to get it out there for me to get it off my chest. And mm-hmm. I did. And it was almost like God was saying, finally, you're being real with me. And I've known it all along. And it was at that moment that I could be real with him where he said, I know. And for me, it was for God and I to be like, he almost said, I know what it's like to lose a son. I know what it's like yeah. to do that. So at that moment, it was now see, Carrie, now I need the, I need the Kleenexes, <laughs> but um, it was it was getting real with him. And actually that was when it was like it, the turning of the pages of the Bible became a lot more personal for me. It wasn't just going through the motions of doing homework so you could pass a test. It was, I was getting into the Bible so I could see what he had for me, not so I could answer the questions in Sunday school, or I could seem like I was a little bit more worldly to the Christian women at church. I, I needed to know what God had for me. What does he, what is his plan for me? What is his plan for my son? And that's when it changed for me. Wow. That's powerful. I think that, you know, just beginning to understand, I have said to my, this child who struggles with what we struggle with, I've said, you know, God is so like, he is not thrown by our wrestling, right? which right. Like, I personally believe he welcomes, I mean, I've, this, the saying that we use in our home is God welcomes the wrestling because he can turn it to worship. Like, right. It's almost more, we have to say I'm wrestling instead of faking it and saying, I'm fine. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I think too, there's an expectation we have going into situations from the, 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 um, the backdrop of being an adoptive parent, you know, the church and we, we go into adopt and thinking, okay, I'm taking this child who's comes from a hard place and we have this family and we have a home and we're going to love them. And then they're just going to be okay. And so I had no idea of trauma and how trauma affected the brain when we started our adoption process. So I went in with a really rosy picture of what it would look like. Mm. And then when that picture didn't happen, I always say when the going gets tough, Amy gets tries, tries harder. <laughs> Instead of surrendering, I'm like, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to figure this out. And I remember somebody saying to me one day, because our daughter has a lot of severe behavioral issues. Um, she looks typical. 
I just can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life with this child. And I went on my bed and bawled my ever loving eyes out like mad. Like, what have you done? Like, what really have you done? This does not look like I thought it would, but it's in those moments, I think, where God just said, this isn't, of course, it doesn't look what you thought it was because this isn't your plan. It's my plan. (laughs) And so for me to be able to understand that, take away my expectation of what it was going to look like and open my hands to God. And then all of a sudden I started seeing things God had done. Now it doesn't look like everything's tied up in a neat tidy package and I can stand before church and say, look, everything's perfect. (laughs) But I honestly think in the struggle is where we really see God and learn who we are and learn how much he loves us. I often, when I am overwhelmed, one of the practices I have immediately is the 23rd Psalm. I say it over and over. And when you think about that Psalm, where he talks about, he walks with us and he a table, he sets a table for us, you know, and I just think it's about expectation and trusting God, even though it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, it is a wrestle. And I think Carrie and Sarah would say the same thing. We've all, we all wrestle. And just this morning, I too have a child that has suicidal ideation and mental health issues. And this morning I had an issue and I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> I was rolling my eyes inwardly, like why God again? But then I have to bring myself right back to, you know, what does he want me to hold my hands? And what is, what is his, I don't know his outcome. I just have to be faithful today and trust Mm -hmm. him that he's with me. Hmm. How have y'all learned to handle the answer when God, because sometimes God says, I mean, obviously with several stories, God says, no, like no to what we want. And I know that I imagine that you come with these big requests and you're like, God, I mean, say yes to this one. What do you do when God says no? I think for me, honestly, it took me almost 15 years to finally like look back. And so what's really strange about our journey is I read this book when I was still pregnant And there was this list of all of these complications that can happen because of a condition in the brain that my son has. And I had prayed for every single thing on that list that it would not happen. Mm -hmm. And every single thing on that list did happen. And for probably 14 to 15 years, we were just in survival mode. I just had my arm around the whole time and I just kind of glazed over it. Like, okay, I'm just trusting God, trusting God. We're just going to keep going, keep going. And then when life finally slowed down about a year and a half ago, I like, I can't talk about it without tearing up because the pain is just so real of God saying no, you know, of no. And I think, I think, um, a, I started seeing a counselor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was, that was the first thing. And B, I've just have really dove into the Psalms and lament and that lament is worship and lament is that tension of living in, God knows best, but that doesn't mean the situation doesn't just, isn't just really horrible. And I, and I hate it. Like there are moments that the reality of like some things have been healed, but a lot of things haven't, and they probably won't ever be healed. Mm -hmm. And those questions of like, do I just not have enough faith? And you know, people praying over your children. And if you just have enough faith, God's going to heal them. And, and I, I think, I think the Lord is saying to me personally, do you want me to just answer your prayers or do you want more of me? 
Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I've just been learning recently is that if all my prayers were answered, I wouldn't need him mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be wrestling with him. I wouldn't have this intimate relationship of just being completely honest and even angry and saying, well, Lord, I did all the right things. So I'm just supposed to get what I want. And God's saying, no, but I want you, you to want more of me. Yeah. And it, it's a wrestle. It's never done. It's never over. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think when God says no, for me, it's it's really challenged me to fortify my faith. It makes it it really challenges me to put my faith where is my is my faith fluff mm. or is it true? Is it I mean I can sit there and say my if I only have a year left with my son, is it going to be am I gonna live for him or or we would I rather have 50 years with him and it be mediocre? Or do I want to really live and is he going to touch lives? And I see some of the lives that he touches and it's phenomenal. And I think that's how it's supposed to be. And like Carrie said, it's hard. I mean, it's not like I'm just like, oh, it's great. That's fine. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's so difficult. And I have to center myself. But I think that's why you stay in the word. And it's relying like you you like Carrie said you rely on that's why you rely on God and this is why I you just have to keep going back to him and and it's drawn me so much closer to him my son's diagnosis sometimes almost selfishly I feel like it's drawn me so much closer you know my son's terminal diagnosis almost seems like it saved me so there are times where and I see the the lives that he changes some of his peers the that have gone into certain prof- that they're going into professions. My my older son's peers that have met t- my son, that some of the professions that they've gone into, or the things that they've done, the or some of the organizations that they've started from knowing my son, it's it's just phenomenal. And all of that is hindsight. I would not have known that a decade ago with the diagnosis, but I can see that now. And so I think, where am I gonna? Where where will that be even ten years from now? And there was a part in the the book where I wrote, I was carrying laundry or doing something. And I wrote by, I walked by my son and he was drawing and I kind of peeked over his shoulder and said, what are you drawing? And he covered it up with his arms. He's like, I'm not finished yet. And it was just such a visceral response to me. Like God saying, see, that's what, it, that's what this is. I'm not done with his story yet. I'm not drawing. I'm not done drawing his picture yet. And it was at that moment that I thought I'm trying to rush his painting. I'm trying, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to rush his story. I want to know what it's, I want to know what the finished product is like, and I will never, ever not know that. So I think that's what it is, is I have to let go of that control. It's not my, it's not my story to draw. It's not my story to weave. And I am just lucky to be part of it. And I have to remind myself that (laughs) daily, if not multiple times per day. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say that we're talking about this. And if a mom is out there that's has a new is new on this journey, don't think we're like, oh, we got it all together. Like this is a oh, daily no. constant growth that we we wrestle with every day. And it's okay to feel all those things. I think for me, I had once again the mindset shift. 
of God, why ask, I still ask, I take my kids before God and ask for things, but more likely my prayers change to help them to know you love them, help them to be, you know, know the depth and the, the depth of your love and help me to know that too. Because I think sometimes I can focus on what's not there and, and I miss the abundance that is there because I want something to change, a behavior to change. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of the, the way that I've been approaching it because it is every day that we see deficits, whether that's a physically disabled child or a child with behavioral issues. I feel like, you know, like when your kids clean the kitchen for you, this is my analogy and you, they're so proud and all you see is the crumbs, the spot they missed <laughs> and like they did their job and all you see is, oh man, they missed this one spot. I don't want to be that way with God. I want to say, yeah. yeah, this is not what I expected, but you are working. And if I just focus on this particular th behavior that never changes, I'm going to miss the bigger picture. That's so good. Cause I do think that we often, I know just with my own, I mean, I'm, I am so guilty of like hyper-focusing and it's always got, it's almost like, you know, I can feel the Lord just going, can you just lift your chin up and keep your eyes on me? Cause mm -hmm. if you will begin to see them the way I see them, mm -hmm. this is not like, it's different, Bethany, if you'll keep your chin up and I'm, but I'm always like, no, <laughs> with my eyes like yeah. blinders on trying to and it's been a learning lesson for me and I think this is powerful because I think more and more as I'm working with and talking with mamas there are lots I mean Amy I think you can probably attest to this there's lots of things that are maybe I have spent a lot of time lately talking with a lot of moms who it's not an obvious mm -hmm label or diagnose like those children aren't like you're walking in the grocery store with that child and nobody else is seeing that child right. the way the what you know is happening under the surface with that child and I mean I, I, and I know that 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 has become even more of a place for moms who are struggling where they're like well mm -hmm. if you do I tell people or do I just stay silent and just try and manage my child in the grocery store and I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, the right thing, but I know that what that happens is that begins to breed into a mom, a sense of loneliness, like right. nobody knows what I'm experiencing. E even if, even if we know that you have, like, even if it's external, like we all know, again, we're praying for you and you're walking with your child and it's something that's known in the community. You still probably feel very, very lonely because nobody right. else is walking in the same space that you're walking in. And then if you have the child that nobody else really knows, unless you begin to broadcast right. it. I mean, and quite truthfully, we walked with one of our, with our child, with what was going on with her for years with nobody really knowing, because I was right. like, it's not my story to tell. Right. I can't be telling this story just to, to clarify what's going on. Now I have permission to tell it because God has done a massive work in her and she's broadcasting it herself. And it said, mom, you have complete permission to share it, but it wasn't that way. And it, and even that was lonely, but how do you, how in your book, especially are you, you're talking about loneliness, you're talking about moms and how they're walking and what are some good spaces or what are some good ways to handle that as a mom? Well, I'll start by saying that to the mom out there that has the, the situation you're talking about, one of the things that plays into behavioral issues is there's a lot of shame because I, I have two of my adoptive kids, all three of my adoptive kids have behavioral issues, but one of my adopted children does have physical disabilities. 
And I'm not negating that it's not hard, but we've talked about this before that it's, he's obviously got a physical disability. So people cut him slack when he behaves negatively. Yeah. And he gets a lot more help because of the physical disability. And that's just been my experience. But when you have a kid that has the behavioral, it's such a lonely road because when you get ready to be honest about what's happening in your home, a lot of times you're shamed like, well, cause you, cause you think I can parent this out of them somehow, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I can somehow do a better parenting job when it's really not our parenting. It's their trauma brain or the exposure they had to substances or stress when they were young. So I think the number one thing I would say to moms is you have to find somebody and you have to be, find people that you can tell your story to. And I understand that when you do that, you may get some backlash. And I think you have to pray and say, God, who's the safe person to tell this to? For me, because I felt ashamed of what was happening in my home and felt like probably I wasn't being a good enough mom because it was behavioral. I didn't even tell people close to me until it was too far gone. And I just thought, well, they're not going to understand. And how can we expect them to understand if we don't tell them? So one of the things that I always tell moms are you just got to find somebody. It doesn't have to be a spe- like if you could find somebody who had the exact same diagnosis and was going through the exact same thing, that's such a blessing. And that does happen. But you can also like Carrie, Sarah and I are really good friends. We have very different diagnoses. And I, I think I've said this before. The first time I ever talked to Sarah, I was like, wait a minute. She feels the same way I do. She has the same emotions. Like I just didn't expect that because her child has a different diagnosis. Yeah. So, and it could be a non-special needs parent too, as long as you have somebody that is willing to hear you. And and we're pretty good at knowing right away, okay, this isn't a person that I can tell everything to, but we have to take that step out. And I know that's hard as a parent with kids with extra needs because you're just feel like you're just doing a million things, but without it, I mean, we're connect, we're creative for connection. And so without it, I think we just shrivel up and become like plants that aren't watered. So it takes some work, but once you find those friends, it's just so worth it. So that would be my first, you just have to start talking about it and not be ashamed of it. And I would say, keep trying too, because it can be a difficult space to be in, depending on the, the diagnose, the diagnosis, there's just with just with life, there's going to be different personalities. You're not going to click with everybody. Um, my son is typically children with my son's diagnosis or in a wheelchair by the age of 12. They typically lose their arm strength by 20. He's 19 and still walking. So I have had people, other moms, tell me that I'm making it up, that he doesn't have the diagnosis. I've kind of been ostracized from the group. It's just been so I'm like, Trust me, he has it. It's just different because there's a spectrum of it. And it's just, you know, but you find your people. And mm-hmm. and there's some groups that are very outspoken that you just don't connect with. There's some that aren't. You're just going to have to just try and try again. And like Amy said, we we connected where I'm like, oh, people say people say dumb things to you, too. It's different. <laughs> but people still say dumb things. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah. And and Carrie and I have, there are so many times where I'll take a picture of somebody parked in the little blue lines and I'm like, stop parking in the blue lines. And then we, we go back and forth on that. Those two get mad. Oh, they get so mad. (laughs) 
Don't mess with them. <laughs> poor Amy gets yeah. pictures of the blue lines too, because now she's just part of the group. But you know, it's just. Uh, but you have those. You have your people that can just be like, oh, Amy's like, oh, people are arguing the blue lines again. She's very good about that empathizing with us about the blue lines. But you know, just keep trying because you're gonna find it, and it is worth it once you find your people. We didn't find each other until three years ago. I mean, it's not like we just found each other on day one or day two of the diagnosis, right. you know, and we have different groups of people that we talk to. So, um, yeah, just, and, you know, just keep trying. And I think, too, I know one of the things that I mistakenly did in the beginning, especially was just kind of like, you know, I felt like I had this cup and I was kind of just like wandering around waiting for someone to fill it up for me. Mm-hmm you know, and mm-hmm. I was lonely and I was, I felt one of my kind of felt needs in life is just to be understood. And I feel like I always have to explain every little detail. Hence, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking a lot on this podcast, <laughs> but so often I think like I was just looking for someone who had the exact same situation right. with the exact same diagnosis and this rare worst case scenario with spina bifida that happens in less than 10% of cases. And I'm just walking around with my cup going, please fill it, please fill it. I'm lonely. When God was saying, you need to bring that cup to me because yes, we need community. And yes, I, you know, had created community and have found it and God's brought people in my life, but I can't be whole in that community if God isn't making me whole first and saying, I'm the one who truly understands what you're going through, all your pain, all your heartache. Let me fill your cup so then you can go out and you can find, you know, that one person online that you have just one thing in common and you can build on that and then you guys can pour into each other. So that I think that's probably my word of advice from just kind of walking throughout my life with, you know, holding out, like who's going to fill this up and who's going to help me feel whole when I can't get it from anybody else, but Jesus. Mm. Y'all are some wise women. I'm just going to say <laughs> oh, it. Well, right now, give us, <laughs> give us 10 minutes. <laughs> Wait till somebody parks in the blue line and then it's all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till somebody parks in the blue line, then it's all games off. Oh, but it's so true. I mean, the reality is whether the truth is so much of those nuggets are true period. Right. Yes. Like we have to have God fill our Mm -hmm. cup. Like we, we can't, no matter what we're walking through, be any good. If we're trying to number one, be the source or get the source from anyone other than God. And I think it's magnified inside of walking with a child with special needs because it's, it's just like that much more flagrant, maybe, you know, yeah. I can fool myself with the kid of mine who's seems like he's doing pretty fine and we're just tripping through life. But the truth is it's still so necessary for God to be at the root and at the source and our sustenance first. But then we do need community. I mean, all of us do. And I think we've walked through the last few years. It's been crazy. This space where that the obvious need for community and yet the actual complete isolation that we've all kind of mm-hmm. began to do. So I love what y'all are talking about. 
and what you're sharing. Take a few minutes really quickly and share about your podcast, because I want to highlight this to mamas who are listening here who may need to be there. So Take Heart Special Moms is your podcast. Tell us about it. Anybody? (laughs) Nobody wants to brag on it. I'll brag on it. It's really good. (laughs) So so the podcast is the podcast. This is Take Heart Special Moms, and uh, you can find us at TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com or Take Heart Special Moms on Facebook or Instagram. And basically, we are just the three of us. We do some individual, we do collaborative, and we also interview some other special needs moms or moms with disability that have children with disabilities. And we just really talk openly about different, we have different themes each month. Just some things that we struggle with, that the community struggles with, and just things that kind of come up that we know are kind of pain points that we need to walk through and that we know that we have struggled with in the past that we still struggle with today. And the book kind of encompasses that, that it's not anything that it's it's definitely not a how-to podcast. It's just something that we know it is an ongoing issue. And it's mainly more of how God's going to work through it, how we can help each other work through it, and that there's nothing that's too big for God or for each other f- to help each other with. And that's that's really it in a nutshell. It's uh, like I said, it's not a how-to. It's more of a, here's what we've learned from God, here's what we've learned from each other, and here's what we're still learning. Well, and and even in your book, I mean, the whole purpose of your book isn't to give you one, two, three steps to being the greatest mom of a child with (laughs) the book is designed really, isn't it designed just to simply walk with you and say, yes, and Mm -hmm. come walk with us for a while. Right. And I think one of the things like Amy had said is even though our our children's diagnoses are so vastly different, one of the things that we connected with so deeply and so quickly when we first met was we all had the same emotions. We Mm. all felt jealousy. We all felt anger. We all felt loneliness, fear, and, but we all knew that God was working through us present tense. And we knew that we needed each other and we were stronger together through that. And I think that's what the book is about, is that we walk through these emotions and how God works through those with us and that they are messy, that they are emotional and, but they're joy filled as well. So there is joy, there is hope in it. And that's what, it's just real. It, it's not all going to be a tidy bow. There's going to be, there's messy, there's, there's pain, but there is, there's hope and there's joy in it. Thank y'all so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for sharing just this little brief glimpse into your worlds. If, and if I can just say for anyone listening, if this is for you, I encourage you go and find them, their website, their podcast, and the book, which comes out May 9th. Is that true? Still? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. May 9th. Yes. We'll, um, mm-hmm. we, we'll have all the links down below in the um, show notes. And you can get that if it's for you or if it is for your friend. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about loving one another well. And this podcast may actually be for your friend if you're listening. And so I just want to encourage you, point your friend to these women. They 
are just a light and will be a great sense of wisdom and encouragement. Thank y'all so much for being here today. Thanks Thanks for having us. us. (laughs) Thanks for listening this week to the Warrior Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support other Warrior Mamas, I'll tell you that one of the best ways that you can do is you can just share this podcast with your friends. You know, sometimes we love to talk about the things we like the most for our face, for our life, for our kids. Can I tell you that it would be a great blessing to begin to share with other moms the things that God is teaching you and the ways that He is growing you in Him. Our prayer over here at the Warrior Mama Podcast is that this podcast is something that does that for you in your life. So feel free to share it with your friends, post about it on social media, and of course, leave a rating and a review. I love seeing what God is doing in your lives. And I look forward to sitting with you at the kitchen table again next week.